OceanCast, the weekly sports anime fan podcast. My name is Matt, and joining me today is a very special guest, Matt. I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so as you probably tell by the title, today we are reviewing Keijo. Now, this is going to be a bit of a weird one here, because... I'm the only one who actually watched it this season? Right. So I, w- I went into the season n- deciding not to watch Keijo because, um, well, I'm, I'm engaged and I just felt like I didn't want to have any weirdness in my life with watching a show that was strictly based on fan service. I, I mean, I think it was also largely about the fact that, you know, it's just having that discussion. Yeah, exactly. Like, hey, honey, um, I have to watch this show about boob and butt fighting for the <laughs> podcast I'm making with my friend. No, no. Yeah, it's a sports podcast, but this is a fake sport, so it counts, so I have to watch these <laughs> bikini fights. Um... <laughs> I, I, I didn't really think about that deeply. I sort of saw the premise and I'm like, nope, I'm out, I'm out. So um, I'll, be, I'll, I'll be talking with Matt about this, but I think mostly you're going to take the lead. Yeah. Um, and so I did go into it. Uh, I, I'll admit it's, I have some guilty pleasure anime out there. I like Food Wars, for example. And I do think that there's a legit story in Food Wars, for example, Keijo, I kind of, if you listen to our uh, our season preview for this season, uh, I kind of went into this expecting to, to kind of try and justify my opinion on this one, and, you know, there's kind of an obvious reason why I might have enjoyed this. I didn't really, in the end. It was, this was a hard one to justify. So, for anybody who's been sleeping under a rock and somehow doesn't know the premise of the series and is watching this somehow... <laughs> uh, this series follows the uh, follows the story of Nozomi, a girl who wants to become a Keijo fighter. She wants to become the world's greatest Keijo fighter. Uh, Keijo is a sport that is based off of Kancho, which is a children's game uh, kids in uh, Japan play, where they basically stand around and try and ram their butts into one another. There's really not a lot of technique to it, but anyway, uh, Ke- uh, Nozomi is <coughs> uh, was. Uh, qualified to go into this uh, great Keijo Academy by the name of uh, Satoshi, which is uh, one of two big schools and of Keijo. And she and her friend Miyata go to, are both accepted into the school. They both uh, take classes. They try and understand. They try and get better at Keijo. And the series sort of progresses through there. It ends with this big climactic battle against the uh, Japan's other big Keijo school by the name of uh, Saruga. And they have their big final end-of-the-year clash. Okay, so... after I decided after hearing that the anime skipped the first 30-some chapters or so... The, that it kind of it starts with them going to the school... Whereas the manga actually starts a lot before that. Reading the manga after watching the anime is what I expect a lot of people felt like after watching the Yu-Gi-Oh! anime and seeing that it was all about card battles. And then going back and reading the manga and finding out it was a very different beast. How so? 
it's not 100% different because, again, the entire series is meant to be about Keijo. Like, that is what the entire plot of the original manga does surround... Uh, uh, covers. There are a couple of major differences. First of all, in the Keijo anime, Nozomi is basically like a Goku or Luffy-esque characters, except I'm not going to mince words here. She's basically Luffy or Goku with breasts. Right. She's just sort of meant to be this airhead, kind of dumb, but, you know, really pe fiercely passionate fighter who cares about her friends, blah, blah, blah. She's like an actual character in the manga, and that's the weird thing. Um, So the entire premise of Keijo is that it's the world's it's become the world's biggest sport for gambling. It's overtaken horse racing and like, uh, like racing, just like normal racing. And it's become this incredibly lucrative career for a lot of women. In fact, there's a big scene in the manga where no uh, Nozomi comes from a gymnastics background, which is briefly touched upon in the anime. But we discover that Nozomi was actually very passionate about doing gymnastics in high school, but she realizes that it's not a viable career or future for her. Because, there, you know, all she can really do is go for the Golden Olympics and, you know, maybe become, like, a coach of some kind and get find a career that way. But, like, there's not really a whole lot she can... Like, she doesn't get a lot of money from doing this, she also realizes, you know, if I get injured doing this, I'm not going to have a career anymore, essentially. There's, like, no benefits plan. She kind of goes through this whole list. It's like, yeah, you know, it's like I have to worry about stuff like retirement, too. And it's like, I just don't really see much of, like, much of a career out of this. So, uh, she decides, she realizes Keijo feels like a pretty natural application of my talents and what I can do. There's kind of this weird undertone where the series is aware, yeah, this is something that girls are feeling forced into right now. Like, this is... It's kind of trying to draw a parallel between how... Like, for example, in, you know, in the U.S., there's this whole, you know, people... There are a lot of kids who are not really doing this for necessarily the passion of the sport, but, you know, they feel it's the only way they can get into a better life. Right. I mean, it's the same reason that high school students will play football. It's not necessarily because they like football, but because football gives college scholarships in a way yeah. that you're less likely to get from other pursuits, even from other sports. Exactly. And that's the interesting thing about the manga, is that it's actually trying to draw that parallel there between uh, Keijo and this whole, like, okay, this is clearly like meant to be kind of a you know, kind of an illicit thing, because, you know, your girls in bikinis, you know, shoving their butts and rubbing their boobs right. against one another. Um, and it's kind of drawing this parallel between that and professional sport. The essential, essentially, you know, selling your body for the uh, for the amusement of others. So, because my, my impression, just based on the preview materials, was that Nozomi, if she comes into the the academy or whatever and she's so impressed and excited about how awesome keijo is and she just can't wait to do keijo right um is that less the sense in the manga where she it's just something she's got to do but she doesn't love it for its own sake uh kind of she does kind of grow to enjoy it uh there there's an arc that she has yeah where she does slowly like at first yeah in her mind it's like i'm just doing this for the money like i don't really care about this sport 
Um, but after her final qualification exam, where she technically loses, but she still gets the acceptance to go into it, there is this sort of art, and she does have this realization, it's like, you know, I was really frustrated that I lost, like, I really wanted to win that. And she, it feels almost like she's trying to justify it to herself. Almost like, no, I have to like this, because, I, like... I have to, I'm, I'm trying to enjoy this now, almost, is what it feels like. I have to justify my life choices to myself, and this is why I, it's like, no, I actually really love this sport. I don't know if that was 100% the intent that the author had, um, but that was kind of what I got from it. So why do you think they cut all that out from the end? Well, because they wanted to make it, they clearly wanted to put a lot more emphasis on the fact that there's a lot more leering going on here. They... I feel like they kind of lost sight of, I hate to say, I hate to be like a purist about Keijo here, but I feel like that the anime lost sight of the original intent of the manga there, which was largely meant to be a bit more of a interesting look at a comparison about sports and what they kind of do to us. Whereas the anime is clearly, yeah, we got butts and boobs. Like that's the that's the fun part. Yeah, that's just, the part. They're just leaning really hard into the thing that draws people in, right? Which is the ridiculous concept. Right, it. that is correct. Um, one other thing I do want to briefly touch upon with the uh, with the manga is that there's a third main character that gets completely written out of the anime. Huh. Uh, to be fair, she's completely written out of the manga as well, but there's literally no acknowledgement of this character. Uh, her name is... And again, this was this was a character that was meant to, I think, kind of bridge... Kind of help you bridge that gap there. There's a character by the name of Naka, who's a 25-year-old woman and a single mother, who is trying to become a Keijo player because, you know, she's poor, she's destitute, and she's trying to get herself out of the gutter. Because, you know, she has a child to raise. She has a child to feed. Right. Um, and, again, I kind of feel like, one, admittedly, in the manga, she's pretty much completely written out like it's nothing. So, on one hand, I can't really blame the manga, the anime for doing that. On the other hand, I kind of feel like the anime didn't want to acknowledge it because it kind of gets in the way of appreciating the fact that it's like, yeah, this is actually kind of a sad story. Yeah, it's harder to ogle someone when you know they're doing it for their child to make sure their child can get an education right. or something. Yeah, exactly. And again, there's still a... Par like, the parody aspect, the, the comedy aspect is still there, you know. There's still all these wild, weird situations, you know, that they do with their butts and boobs. But, you know, there is kind of that lingering... Uh, there is kind of that lingering knowledge that you have that you get from the manga that's pretty much entirely written out of the anime. Um, and so, kind of... Going off of that, there is a question I actually did want to ask you. Because I a lot of our format for our weekly episodes of this have been me kind of just re reciting what happens and you sort of comically groaning and being like, ugh, that Keijo, am I right? Right. Um, so, there's definitely this implication that we have here of, is this really a needed series? Like, is this a series that has any form of purpose beyond just ogling and when i say that when i what i want to ask you is okay so another show from the series scorching ping pong girls really frustrated us because there's the potential for a real sports story in there but it got dragged down by all of this fan servicey stuff mm -hmm. a lot of keijo's appeal has been that it sort of isolates a lot of that a lot of that 
needless fan service, and it kind of provides an outlet for it. Yeah, I mean, to, to answer your question, I I groan about Keijo mostly because it's so absurd. Right. But I think I'll, the thing I appreciate it about it is that it is openly absurd. Right. And it is, the, the fan service is put out there for everyone to see. It's not trying to hide it. A lot of what made me uncomfortable and frustrated with Scorching Ping Pong Girls was the way, and it was and it was camera angles, it was the theming, right. it was the way they addressed these things and sort of treated its fan service like a dirty little secret. It made you as the audience feel like you were looking in on someone and you weren't supposed to see. Right. This one, uh, Keijo, is very upfront about it. It's like, here's the boobs, here's the butts, they're the whole point. Right. Um, so it's hard to, you know... It doesn't feel as gross on some level, right? Because it's upfront about what its purpose is. Um, I think I think fan service is the most upsetting when it gets snuck in right. to another show that's about other things, and it's used in a very cynical way, right? Just in order to sell merch, um, but it doesn't actually add or have any relationship to the right. story. And that's the thing, because I feel like in the United States, there's always been this this sort of... There's kind of a split in anime fandom, because there's a lot of people who really love the art style. They love, they love the type of stories that anime can tell, but they get... A lot of people get very fed up with the love... Like, it, a lot of it becomes distracting in a lot of series, because it doesn't add anything. It's really only there... To kind of help sell merch to kind of otaku in Japan. The fan service, you mean? Yeah, the fan yeah. service. And and so a lot of people don't really appreciate the way that it kind of gets... It's a little seedy and kind of... Like, you, you're kind of forced to accept it. Yeah, you just endure right. the, the weird male gaze stuff. Right. <laughs> Whereas, you know, Keijo... You know, you can kind of discuss its... Inter- like... Its stance on uh, on female roles and uh, how it kind of pre- presents its female characters. It's upfront about it, though. You don't you look you take one look at Keijo and you know, okay, I am either going to love or I'm going to hate this series. Mm-hmm. And that is it makes it actually a very difficult show to criticize on that level, just on the basis like, yeah, we can like sit here and tell you all about how it's like. It does, you know, we can criticize a lot of what it does about uh, fan service. Does that matter? Yeah. And what's interesting, though, and this is something I was reading a little bit. I've only been able to find one source from, like, a forum uh, that discussed this, so I can't speak, vouch for how accurate it is. But I was reading online, this show, while this show has been explosively popular in the United States... My understanding is in Japan, it's completely tanked. Why do you think that is? Because, okay, so there's actually a line from Genshiken that kind of helps explain what I want to say here. So there's a character by the name of Saki who's talking to another character by the name of Madarame, asking him some questions about the types of games he likes to play, and she essentially says... Well, you mainly just play those for the sex scenes, right? And he's like, no, there's actually, like, a really wonderful story in here. Like, you know, there's a deep and powerful story and meaning behind this. She's like, yeah, but really, what are you playing it for? And he's like, well, the sex scenes. Yeah. And what, 
And I guess to me, it it gives me this impression in Japan that there's a line you're not allowed to cross. And I think in the U.S., they didn't cross that line because, again, we want, we want it to be upfront and honest about it. We don't want it to try and hide it. In Japan, though, you kind of have to have that level of uh, that disconnect. Like, you ha- like otaku have to have that... Yeah, it can't just be patently about boobs and butts. Right, you can't like, just you, could, do you that. should have plenty of boobs and butts, but you can't say that's what it's about. Right, you have to have that excuse that you can fall back upon. Mm. Like, the, the boobs and butts there are... Like, the story is almost there almost as a dog whistle to kind of hide... It's like, no, 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 what I really enjoy is this part of the series, this part of the series. And yet, let's be honest here, that's not the reason why you're playing it. Yeah, I mean, it, it almost parallels with, uh, you know, the most popular series we've been watching, Yuri on Ice. Right. Where it can't actually be about two men having a romantic relationship, right. even though that's what it's about. Right. So they, they cope that relationship with language about figure skating, but use it all as a metaphor. So it, it's in immensely successful because it hides behind something, but it might really not be sustainable if it didn't. Yeah. And that's kind of, I mean, in my understanding about Yuri and Ice, I don't want to go on too much of a tangent here, is that they did have problems with, uh, with production, trying to get a lot of that content even in in the first place. But yeah, I think that's kind of the issue with Keijo for a lot of people, at least in Japan, is that you can't, you know, you can't really come out and say, hey, I'm a fan of Keijo, uh, or, like, I want to buy, I want to have these DVDs up on my shelf, because, you know, once somebody sees those DVDs or Blu-rays, they're like, oh, you're into those type of animes. Right, and I think maybe the difference in the U.S. is a lot of people who don't even like fan service shows can enjoy Keijo ironically. Right. Maybe that that's just a little bit, but we tend to gravitate to these things that are so over the top and so patently absurd right um that it becomes a joke yeah and i think that's a good way to put it um kind of going along those lines i i do appreciate one thing about this series which is the puns there are a lot of the, the translators had a lot of fun translating certain aspects of the series uh, for example, one of my favorite, some of my favorites being uh, the study of astronomics, which is studying the differences between Western and Eastern butts and what makes them so different. Uh, there, another thing is, or, or like probably my all-time favorite, the Shore You Cans, a move where uh, Nozomi uses her boobs to do an uppercut, or the, of course, the Gates of Booty Lawn. Yeah. Uh, there, I mean, the series is. I think the series is aware that it is a parody. It does struggle a little bit on those lines, though, because it a lot of the series reminds me of another series that got very popular for being a, kind of a perverted parody, which was uh, Prison School, in that it's a... Uh, it's largely a story... The, the, the appeal of Prison School is that it's a story that is told so straight-faced about just this utterly absurd situation, and yet the series never blinks once in telling its story. Like, it never gives any tells that this is anything more than a completely serious, bold-faced, like, narrative about about trying to hold people's hands and, like, 
or like being able to stay in school to go see a wet t-shirt contest. Right. Or in like, you know, being imprisoned in this all-female school. And I think Keijo is trying to go for that type of tone. Because I think that's the type of parody it's tr- it's attempting to be. Part of the problem, though, is that, again, I, as I kind of alluded to with Prison School, Prison School has the confidence in its narrative to never once break character. It never really... It never has a wink to the audience like, hey, guys, isn't this funny? Like, it never has, like... An explicitly gaggy sequence, or like that's clearly meant to elicit a joke. Mm-hmm. Uh, the joke just clearly comes from the situation, and you know you kind of derive the humor from that. There's a real craft to Prison School. It's not my favorite series. It's not something I'm really that big on. I appreciate, I appreciate the style it goes for, and I can appreciate the the level it tries to go to. Keijo has too many situations. Where it's clearly trying to portray a joke, where it's, like, a good example of this is with the character of uh, Kujisaki, who's kind of written as being this, who's this girl who has kind of lesbian tendencies, and she has a tendency to, like, go up and grab girls, and they have very comedic, whoa, what are you doing, type of uh, reactions. Yeah. And she, and, you know, with stuff like this, you're making too much of a nod that you're supposed to be laughing, and it kind of, it kind of loses that parody aspect. Yeah, I mean, it's also just kind of gross in that, right. you know, <laughs> that that they're trying to teach, they're trying to set up the, the girl who is physically attracted to other girls as being gross and weird. Right. Um. So that, on the surface level, is unfortunate. Um. But but also just the fact that. It, it undermines the whole premise of the show, or the whole whole appeal of this show, is like a bunch of girls in bikinis with breasts and boobs. Right. And then one of these girls is excited about the fact that there's a bunch yeah. of girls with breasts and boobs, and you're still supposed to freak out. Um, so that, that to yeah. me, seems to sort of undermine the tone. Um, it's interesting that you bring that up, too, because that was actually another difference that I forgot to mention about the manga, which is uh, the anime completely eliminates any male character. Because I, I started reading the manga, and I was shocked to see that there were boys at this school. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, like, there's a character... I didn't read too far into it. I kind of stopped reading once I got to the point where I had caught up. But there, um, the school is also for Keijo engineers who create, like, the different types of lands. Oh. And boys are allowed to do that. So there are boys who are studying to be engineers. And there's a character by the name of Okazaki who occasionally, like, has run-ins with Nozomi and has, like, conflicts with her. Hmm. And I think, again, it's one of those situations where the anime lost the... It kind of lost the intent of the original narrative because it wanted to get rid of the boys, so this felt like, ooh, you see, look, you're watching all of these girls just interact with one another without any sort of other pretense of, or an influence. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, the manga is like, the manga was going, was trying to, was trying to set up this world here. It was, it was trying to play into its own joke yeah. by trying to actually like, no, here's like, here's our level of world building that we have. Yeah. Whereas the anime. It couldn't stand to have male characters around because that throws off the the emphasis on these girls having these deep relationships with each other, and you can assume whatever you want from that. Right. Uh, interesting. 
but I mean, when all is said and done, I mean, it's got it. It looks great, which is surprising for this type of series. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot, like a lot of fan servicey type of series, tend to you know they get made on a very low budget. They you know because they're kind of there to just sell merch to guys. You know, you get you produce like about five hundred statues, and you know you you sell them to like the peop the dudes who are like that obsessive about the series to pay two hundred bucks. Yeah. And there you go, you, you broke even. Yeah, basically. Whereas with uh, Keijo, there's, like, there's enough, like, this is a good-looking show. Like, a lot of the battles are animated very well. The series is co- is confident enough in its animation to kind of let a lot of the action scenes breathe, which is a common problem in a lot of battle anime, where they kind of get way too close up with close-ups. But here they uh, they actually keep it, like, nice and far away, which is interesting because, you know, you could easily do a lot of, like, weird leering close-ups about, you know, butts pressing up against one another or something. Right, of course. So it doesn't ever, I mean, maybe not ever, generally, when they have these battle scenes, does it feel leery or pervy? A couple of times it does, but not as much as you might think. <laughs> there are a few incidents where, yes, it does feel feel kind of leery. Like, for example, there's a there's a moment where uh, Nozomi is fighting the character of Fujisaki, where she kind of has her butt pressed up against her and kind of Gets stimulates her, we'll say, by just constantly shaking her butt up against her. And yeah, the camera kind of like lingers there for a little bit too long. Uh, but, I mean, a lot of the confrontations, um, just when you're, like, in sort of the nitty-gritty of the battle, they generally try and... They, they let the action breathe. They, they kind of let the action uh, move as it needs to, rather than trying to sort of force it with, like, sort of still shots and, like, kind of go... Kind of do close-ups to kind of hide the fact that there's not a lot of motion going on right now. So, there, it's not a bad show for, like, just for the action. Um, so, for the most memorable scenes, I was about to ask you that, and then it occurred to me, right, he can't answer that question. Yeah, uh, I, I don't remember any of this. <laughs> well, actually, that's not entirely true, because I am on Twitter, so I do see these things posted a lot. Right. Um, and I know that a lot of people were excited about the Gates of Booty Lawn. Right. Gates of Booty Lawn was pretty great. Um, I mean, really, like I already talked about before, uh, really, it's the puns that are... the. Those are the only parts that really made me laugh. There's one moment in the end of the series where... And this was really the time when the series really kind of got me with its, uh, with its lewd humor, as it were. Where uh, the final villain, Kaya, has one of the characters, Rinrin in a breast vice where she's literally lifting her up in the air with her boobs and crushing her butt. And that right there really just kind of speaks to the series. That, that really kind of speaks for the series on its own. The, the kind of tone I think that the series wanted to go for. It's dumb. It's stupid. It's aware of it. Yeah. Uh, but I think a lot of the times it's really undermined by a lot of the more pervy aspects of it. Yeah. So, do you think you would recommend this to anybody? The adaptation of Keijo is not a terrible one to the manga. So would you just recommend the manga? See, I can't really do that either because there is one moment in the manga that does feel way more leery than anything that happens in the anime. And I'm not really going to get into that at all. There's a shower sequence, let's leave it at that. Uh, But I... 
I think the idea was there, and I think anybody who is interested in a in a sports series with a more with a bit of surprising social commentary in there, maybe check out the manga. And then if you turn if it turns out you really like the manga, check out the Keijo anime just to kind of see because it's not a bad adaptation otherwise. And you know, for people who like dumb jokes, you know, you can do worse. Hey, that's that's a stirring recommendation. <laughs> that's about as stirring of a recommendation as I'm going to give it. Okay, fair enough. All right. Well, thank you for joining me today, Matt. I know you didn't have a lot that you could add here, but I appreciate your presence as always. Yeah, well, thank you. I mean, I, I learned a lot. <laughs> well, if you would, please, would you hit the credits? It would be my pleasure as always. Our logo design is by James Ratcliffe. The theme music is Fly High by Burnout Syndromes, covered and performed by Luke Bartka. You can follow Koshiencast on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter, and our email is koshiencast at gmail.com. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. We'll be back next week with the best and worst from the world of sports anime, and until then, keep training. Keep training.